Welcome to KiteLine, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in the prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on KiteLine, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. Before starting with this week's theme, we wanted to share some prison-related news and announcements. A lawsuit alleges that the conditions at the Henry County Jail in Indiana are unconstitutional and inhumane. An Indiana Federal District Court ruled that the plaintiff, Adam Bell, formerly incarcerated in the jail, presented enough evidence to certify the suit as a class action composed of all people currently incarcerated in the jail and incarcerated there in the future. The defendant is the Henry County Sheriff's Department. Bell filed the suit while incarcerated at the jail, stating that it was originally meant to hold 76 prisoners, but that jail officials began adding more bunks and mattresses to the cells without the required authorization, enlarging the capacity to 116 inmates. Bell said the chief jail inspector for the state's Department of Corrections deemed the facility overcrowded 100% of the time. Prisoners had to sleep on cell floors, in offices, in indoor recreation areas, and near toilets. Bell also alleged that the ongoing understaffing of the jail, plus the overcrowding, resulted in assaults and other violence. U.S. District Court Judge Tanya Chutkin put the kibosh on the Trump administration's attempt to carry out executions of four prisoners on federal death row in Terre Haute, Indiana, starting in December. Last time the federal government carried out an execution was over 15 years ago. The 19th Circuit U.S. District Court of Appeals halted another execution that federal officials had scheduled for December. In July, U.S. Attorney General William Barr announced his intentions to resume executions to bring to justice what he called the, quote, worst criminals, unquote, by killing them with one dose instead of the three drugs used in most federal executions. In response to Barr's announcement, some death row prisoners joined the long-dormant legal challenge to the three-drug protocol and asked Chutkin to halt their executions under the new protocol until their legal challenges were adjudicated in full. Chutkin stated that the inmates seemed likely to win their argument that the new protocols violated long-standing federal law because the protocols to be used varies from state law. A 1994 federal statute mandates that federal executions be carried out in the manner required by the law of the state in which the death sentence was given. After serving 15 years of a 30-year sentence for supposedly failing to protect her children from abuse, Tandalo Hall was released from the Mabel Correctional Facility in Oklahoma. Essentially, Hall was incarcerated merely for surviving domestic violence. Her abuser was never charged with a crime. Hall's release was the direct result of pressure that community organizations put on the Oklahoma Pardon and Parole Board, District Attorney, and Governor. Hall's release came one week after the governor approved the largest single-day mass commutation in the state's history, and a few weeks after the Pardon and Parole Board unanimously recommended Hall's commutation. Before Hall's release, a ballot initiative to declassify simple drug possession and low-level property crimes passed, and over 400 incarcerated people were freed from prison. Even though Hall's release didn't meet the requirements to be included in the mass commutation, community organizers backing her think the commutation created the momentum that was needed for her to receive her immediate freedom. Hall is one of thousands of women around the country who have been criminalized for surviving abuse.
This week, we visit the women of the Breakaway Recovery House. Located in New Albany, Indiana, this halfway house is the residence for 14 formerly incarcerated women. In last week's discussion of e-carceration, Breakaway was mentioned as a resource enabling women to transition to life on the outside. Recently, Nicole Siegel visited Breakaway and talked to a few of the women about life there. Recorded on site, here's Nicole and some of the women of the Breakaway. Now we are hanging out outside and having a cigarette break, and I'm talking to a couple more of the women who are living at the Breakaway. Do you guys want to say your names? Janet. Hillary. Cammy. You part? Okay, okay. All right. And um, so tell me a little bit about this house and, and uh, what it's like to live here. It's, it's really good. Um, I was really scared when I came in here, but uh, it made me feel welcome instantly, and I love it. I, really oh. do. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite part is the bonds that you create with the uh, people. Like, there's yeah. a few people here that I don't see me living without. Uh-huh. Leave, you know? Yeah. Is it important that everyone's been through similar things? Yeah. They know what I it's like so. to come out of prison and I think it, I think try it, it, it get makes your feet. you feel it makes, it makes you feel more comfortable. Yeah. And opening yeah. up and What are some of the things that you notice folks dealing with? What are some of the things that especially people who don't have a relationship to prison might not know people go through? Uh, Trust in people? Mm. Yeah. That seems like a big. How does that come up for you? Because the reason why I got in trouble was because somebody that I thought was a friend told on me. Mm. That's where mine started. Uh huh. And so now you're once bitten, twice shy. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm. How about for you? Um, could you repeat the question? I was <clears throat> thinking about it whenever you first asked that. I was just wondering what are some of the things that you notice people dealing with in here, you know, some of the things that a lot of people deal with, especially things that people who haven't been to prison might not know are on people's minds. And, you know, trusting people is a really good one. I think yeah. a lot of times people think, oh, finding a job, you know, finding a place to live or something. But trusting people... That's yeah. real. Yeah, I'd say that's probably just one. adjusting to life in yeah. general. Like, if you have been <clears> in prison, I'm gonna use the bathroom. Something like this. Like, there is a lot of structure in prison. Uh-huh. So, I mean, if you've been in prison for a while, it'd be hard to just adjust to real life. Like, if you're just thrown out there, then you know, what I mean, you might not jump into the right things to do. Mm. I mean, it is hard to find a job. It is hard to find a place and and things like that. My problem. I would say would I've st- I stuck to myself in jail, and so I'm I've had problem with opening up to people here. And even before jail, I was by myself. Mm. You know what I mean? So being around too many girls, it is hard to trust and open up to people, mm. and I mean to just to just being around and having to listen to people's suggestions and do what you're told to do, like. Yeah, my, my biggest problem is just having to live life on life's turn, terms, and then on top of that, being around so many women and different personalities, and mm. and having to just take that, like you know what I mean? Like you have to keep a positive attitude no matter what. 
a lot of negotiating to living Absolutely. with so many personalities. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I've always had a problem with with women being around them. Mm. And uh, for the first time ever, I don't have that problem now. Mm. I mean, uh, there are personalities do clash, you know what I mean? But mm. at the same time, too, we all do live together. And uh, we may not like it all the time, but we, uh, we have to love it. Because if you don't love it, then it's not going to work. Mm. It's definitely a life-changing house, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. It's not like a lot of recovery programs that you go to. It's not rehab. Mm -hmm. It's a life-changing process, mm -hmm. and it, it works if you let it. Where are we? Breakaway. And recovery what is the house. breakaway? What it's is a recovery house uh, in New Albany, Indiana that houses 14 women that's helping us get our lives back, you know, because we definitely couldn't control it. Yeah. Well, so, and and are you guys all formerly incarcerated? Mm -hmm. Yes. So this is a transition house out of prison. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. And um, how many women live here, and how many women would you say are on electronic monitoring? Uh, there's 14 of us that live here, uh, and there's three of us that are on the bracelet right now. Yeah. And you guys are two of them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There it is. I'm looking right at it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so beautiful. It's stylish. It matches yeah, everything I wear. <laughs> it does. It, it is, you know. It blends in with my work uniform. Right. So, you know. Yeah, you got some fancy sneakers on there, too. <laughs> I mean, do you find yourself making fashion decisions based on the bracelet Definitely. to hide it? Yeah. Yeah, like, wearing boots and bell-bottomy I mean, I don't care. I do. I, I, I do. Yeah. I don't. She hides hers. Yeah, and why, why, Natasha? Why do you want to hide it? Uh, just judgments. Yeah. I prefer not to deal with it. <laughs> Tell me about the judgments. You know, um, how do you notice people judging you and what do they do? What does it feel like? Oh, hell, they stop and stare, look, snarl her nose, kind of back away a little bit, you know, yeah. like, oh, what has she been doing? You know, mm -hmm. um, just make you feel less than. You know, yeah. she's a criminal. Yeah, you know, she's criminal. You know, she's been somewhere. I've seen That's people grab nice. their purse, ladies grab That's their purses it. up, guys grab their wallets, wow. grab their kids uh -huh. up. Yeah. Yeah. You get watched in stores. Uh-huh. Yeah. I work mostly in factories, and uh -huh. so, well, I was a CNA for 15 years, mm. and then I've lost all that from the felonies that I've acquired. But when I go in to apply to job, mm -hmm. and I don't have this thing covered... <clears throat> Well, it definitely affects it because, for one, they're not going to even give you an interview. Mm -hmm. And I've dealt with that a few times. And then if you do get the job, they're not going to let you off to go to the appointments. Mm -hmm. You're going to get pointed out, you know. It's just... Tell me, tell me about the appointments. You're not going to be let away from your job to go to the appointments? Weekly. you got to go weekly. Uh -huh. And what other kinds of appointments do you have besides just getting the monitor checked? Um court, uh -huh. um, probation. Um. What does the monitor allow you to do weekly besides going to work and your appointments with court? That's it. What about going to the doctor? Can you go to the doctor? Go to the doctor. Yeah, you can go to the doctor. Go to AA meetings. AA? Yeah, as long as you're in this house. Well, yeah, with the way my officer has mm -hmm. explained it to me is that he doesn't care what I do. 
as long as it's associated with this house. Right. So, like, today... Can you go anywhere and do it as mm-hmm. long as it's associated with the house? Mm-hmm. So, like, today, I went with my mentor. We all get mentors, you know, someone that we can talk to, confide in, you know, that can give us a ride to doctor's appointments, bracelet appointments, court appointments, whatever. So, like, I needed some, you know, bras and stuff. So, I asked my mentor if she could take me to Walmart. Well, that's a, you know, me having to have underwear is an approved thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, she took me to Walmart. I ain't got to call my officer like, when I've been on HIP before, I've had to... What's if, HIP, sorry? The, the electronic arrest. bracelet. House... House arrest... Ha, house... Home incarceration program. Yeah. Home incarceration program. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. They also... They, they call it home incarceration. They don't call it... Electronic. Yeah. 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 Well, some places call it electronic monitoring. Um, but they recognize that it's incarceration. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I'm doing a six-month sentence right here. So you've been sentenced to that. It's not that you yes. are on probation or parole. Mm-hmm. I'm on probation out of another state. Okay. But, but I'm that doing is a, a six-month so, sentence here. Well, yeah. that's kind of interesting because one of the things that um, I think people assume about electronic monitoring a lot of the time is that it is not a sentence, it is to prevent people from re-offense, re- re-offense mm-hmm. or to make them show up if it's pre-trial. Or to, to keep track of them, actually. But how would the bracelet help with that since usually runners cut it? They cut them off. Yeah. Some yeah. of them cut them off, you know, but this is I mean, it's actually it's pretty GPS. bad if it's, yeah. if it's somebody who's running charge. because you get an escape charge and that's another yeah. felony and then a super serious one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, um, I don't know what the sentence is up here for cutting it off. I know it's six months to a year, two years, maybe. This is the first time, no, the second time I'm going to complete it successfully. I'm at least trying, anyhow. <laughs> money problems, you know, money's a bit of an issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's talk lot. about money. How much does it cost? $12 a day. Seven days a week. So that's only 10 a day, but 12 a day is Mine's different. Mine's 12 a day. So it's, and why are your costs different? You're in the same county. I'm not sure. Oh, no. I have so many different cases right now. I'm, I'm in every court. This is actually my second bracelet yeah. that I've been on since I've been uh-huh. here. The first one got screwed up. How did it get screwed up? I went swimming in the Tuck Lake. <laughs> I didn't go You're swimming too long. To leave it in water. We're not supposed to submerge it. You can yeah. shower, but you can't submerge it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Which yeah. is a good thing because we don't have bathtubs here, so yeah. we have stand-up showers. It's fine. But yeah, you can't submerge it. And when they put this new one on, they put it on too tight. Is it causing you some issues? Yeah. It, and my feet, my feet swell. Yeah. My foot swells Yours is up. too loose. What yeah. is that? So it rubs and you're getting blisters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a mark on the back of this ankle where the first one was. Ooh, permanent where? mark? Like a scar? Um, yeah, kind of. She's showing. She's showing. Radio World. She's showing us her foot. <laughs> it's, it's lightened up. Uh-huh. It was real bad red. Just, it was horrible. Um, yeah, that's one of the things is that the devices have a lot of ways they can malfunction, right? With water. With, have you guys had malfunction issues? I did when I submerged it. The battery. It. Yeah, your battery goes off. Uh-huh. I mean, it's supposed to last 12, what, 12 to 15? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mine lasts 6 to 8. So awesome. I'll have to go in when I go in for my weekly appointment. She'll uh-huh. change them out. Uh-huh. So, so it's just been like that for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, but are you working right now? Yes. And so how do you deal with the fact that it doesn't hold a charge? 
There's she's giving me two batteries. So you swap so one, one out. changes. Yeah, one, while one's charging, one's in my leg. All right, let's go back to the cost question. You guys said seventy. Well, I was told it was twelve dollars a day. It's a hundred and something, hundred and forty dollar initial fee. Yeah. All right, there's but an they fee. like if you're just out of jail or prison, they kind of waive that. They do. Down yeah, there. they. Yeah. Did you get yours waived too, Natasha? Your initial no. fee. They yeah. don't really waive it. They just oh, don't they, make you pay. They it defer. That day. Yeah, right. they defer. Okay. My plea agreement said that I would the home incarceration program words were whited out on my plea agreement. I'm supposed to be on daily reporting, uh-huh. which is you call every day to see right. if your color comes up, and if your color comes up, you gotta go drug test. Uh-huh. I got out July 10th, and I reported July 11th to get this put on or to go sign my paperwork. And he was like, all right, which ankle you want? I said, huh? He said, which ankle? Put it up on my desk. So I can put this on you. I said, whoa, wait a minute. And I was too scared to say, no, this isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. This isn't part of my plea agreement. I'm leaving because I got, I was scared I'd go back to jail. Because he had the power to violate you. Yeah. And since then, have you said like, hey, I'm not supposed to have this? I said something to my public defender. Uh Abe Navarro, and he went in front of Judge Jacobs, and Judge Jacobs denied me getting it taken off. Why? I'm not quite sure. Even though you signed to get out with the understanding that you would not have Mm -hmm. electronic monitoring, and they just put it on you, and now they won't take it off you. Right. And you're paying for it. Yeah. So this is an expense you hadn't anticipated. Exactly. And, like... I've, like I said, I've been on it since July 11th, and I've only been able to pay $300. How much more do you think you owe? <laughs> over a thousand. I'm over a thousand dollars behind. How are you going to deal with that? Just pay what I can when I can. I mean, you know. Is it stressful to you? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, you know, luckily my officer is a little, little understanding. He knows that I got to pay $200 over two weeks to child support. You know, he knows I got to pay $400 a month here for house rent. Mm-hmm. I got to have money to, you know, eat. He's been really lenient with me. Well, he's not waving. He's not taking those costs away. He's just allowing you to defer them. Yeah. What's it going to mean for your, you know, for your plans down the road that you're going to have this debt? Um, I don't know. I was supposed to report today, but I ended up sick, so I didn't want to spread it to him. Um so he told me to report Friday morning. So I've got to talk to him about it. You know, I get off of this January 9th of 2020. I'm hoping that I can start paying more. I don't know. Like, I've had to buy a car. Mm-hmm. I'm paying payments on a car. Um, Are you working? Yeah. Do you have a good job? Or well, yeah, I make, I make $10 an hour. It's low pay, but I mean, uh-huh. I think that's like the minimum wage up here in Indiana. But, I mean, to me, that's good. I'm not used to making legal money. Mm-hmm. Does, it, does it stress you out when you think about the debt you're going to carry forward? No. Because, like, I'm afraid that he's not going to take it off. No, he won't. He doesn't have the power, I don't think. It's a it's a company that contracts that yeah. has the power. Uh, I'm afraid he's not going to take it off if I, oh, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, he's not going to take the device off. Yeah. He's going to keep it on there and make you keep on paying. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's you know, but that's just my perception. And well, my perception is really screwed up. So, but, like, I'm but pretty the sure fear that he's, and stress are real. I mean, I'm interested yeah, in that. Too. Once I'm served out, I'm served out. I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty sure it's got to come off. It's just like being in jail. Once you, you're served, you serve your time. 
They can't keep you unless you commit another crime. So I know it'll come off on January 9th. I'm not really worried about it, but I know it'll I'll eventually get it paid down. Like, But I've had to buy a car so that I can get back and forth to work. Right. You know, because the bus schedule is just crazy here. Is that the hardest thing for you about being on electronic monitoring, do you think, is the psychological stress from the cost? Yeah. Like, my sense of security is messed mm -hmm. up because I'm constantly worrying about, you know, well, if I don't pay it, is it going to lock me back up, you know? Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you don't pay your restitution, mm -hmm. they will lock you back up. Right. So, you know, if you don't Same pay the bracelet. Yeah. Even yeah. if you've been declared indigent. Yeah. But he knows I'm not indigent. So. Hmm. I mean, I don't care to pay it. I mean, I do, but I don't. Like, do you have a public defender? Who's your lawyer's public defender, right? Yeah, I've got Ab Abraham Navarro. I think that means technically you're indigent. Yeah. Well, I was while I was locked up. Right. Yeah, he's no, since my case is closed, he's no longer my attorney. He did go try to go to bat for me, I think. Natasha, what do you think is the hardest thing for you about the device? I'm just probably being able to afford it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have all the other costs of daily living and just the necessities of life. And then you have your bills and mm -hmm. then you have this on top of that. And, yeah. you know, you're trying and that, that's expensive, man. It's hard to deal with. Right. And I yeah. think that'd be, it's not really, it's not a <coughs> issue of being monitored and tracked on where you're going because, mm -hmm. I mean, hell. I'm 36. I'm pretty much done. I just want to stay home anyways. Right. It's paying <laughs> to do that. Yes. Yeah. Nuts. Nuts. So what do you guys think that people who uh, don't know too much about electronic monitoring most need to understand about it? That it is a financial burden. It's a waste of money. I just don't. It's unnecessary. So. What's it supposed to be doing for you guys? Preventing you from reoffending? Yeah. And Keeping track of us. Then does that do, does it, have you ever noticed? Well, you see, I caught another charge on it. That's right, you did. Yeah. Without even thinking of it. No. Yeah. I mean, do you ever notice it and think like, oh, I better not do something bad. I got an ankle monitor on. No, because I feel, um, I don't know about you, but I know that I, I talked to another girl that had just gotten hers off. Because mm -hmm. um, I thought I was kind of going a little crazy mm. that I felt this thing vibrate. Mm. And it does. I said, mm -hmm. um, does yours vibrate? She said, yes. It'll send a pulse all the way through it. Uh -huh. There's wires okay. through this band right here. It's not right. just a band. There's actual wires through it. Going all the way through they got to have you know heavy-duty scissors to cut it to fit uh -huh. and everything. So you can feel it vibrate all the way around. All the time. Yeah. yeah. I and thought it was crazy. So it just like reminds you that it's there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a constant reminder. They're making sure you haven't cut it too and left it somewhere. Yeah. Right. Our making sure it's still on a warm yeah. leg. Yeah, see how, it's, <laughs> see how it's leaving a mark right here? Yeah. I mean. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Even when I have, you know, no-show ankle socks on, it's still. Yeah. It's. Cutting off the circulation of my ankle, I'm going to have to have him redo it. 
I've been I've been telling my story for a long time, like, and I had she's a talker. Thanks. I had an ex boyfriend tell me, quit telling people you've been to prison. Quit doing that. Quit telling them you've been abused. Why? If I can help, if I can help one person not go through the crap I've been through that I put myself through, mm-hmm. then what I the all the stuff I've went through wasn't in vain. And also, I just think talking about it destigmatizes it. Yeah. And there's it so much stigma on it, and we really have to we have to be willing to talk about this stuff openly, yeah. or you know, people are going to keep like holding onto their purses when they see like, an ankle monitor. Everybody at my work can wear shorts, mm-hmm. but me. Because they, and I work at a car wash. I work at an automated car wash, and I'm mm-hmm. guiding cars into a tunnel. Mm-hmm. And my boss says, well, the customers can see it. Right. I mean, the financial thing is very hard, but you miss out on a lot. So you're saying the financial stuff is really hard, Absolutely. but the emotional stuff may be just as bad. Absolutely. What about the rest of you guys? Same. Pretty much, yeah. The financial is hard, but the emotional is worse? Mm-hmm. Do you want to... I mean, Janet, that's pretty amazing since you were only on it for 45 days and the person... I was only for four and a half months. Oh, for four and a half months. Sorry, you were 45. in for 45 days yeah. and then you were out for four and a half months. Yeah. Yeah. My grandma was like 90-some years old. She's 90 now. When uh-huh. I was on it, she was like 86, so... I couldn't go to Kentucky and see her because I lived in Indiana. Uh-huh. So, and my mom and dad always worked, so when they couldn't, they could only come up a certain amount of time uh-huh. to come see me too, so it was hard for them to... So it really broke your family ties, broke your support network down even farther. Yeah, because I was in Indiana and they were in Kentucky. Yeah. So, but we made it work. Yeah, my son's grandma takes care of four of her daughter's kids and now she has my son. So, like... She's struggling, and I just want to be able to help her so much. Like, mm. I'm so grateful that she was there, and the whole year that I was in jail, she didn't have any, like, I wasn't there to help her. So, I mean, all I want to do now is, like, not only help my son, but I want to help, like, her. Like, I just want to show her how much I appreciate her, and I can't even do that right now. I mean, it's just a terrible feeling when I want to give my son everything. Like, <clears throat> and I know I can't do that right now, but I just at least want him to be have shoes to go to school in. Like, I want mm-hmm. them all to equally have decent stuff to go to school in and the things that they need for school and for every day. Like, you know, they're little boys. Like, they go through underwear, socks, like, crazy. Yes. <laughs> you know, and those things aren't cheap. I promise you. Even at the dollar store, they're not cheap. Mm-hmm. And I just want them, I don't want to ever feel like they don't have those things. I mean, because then I feel like I couldn't be doing that if I wouldn't have. It just puts me back in that feeling of I'm very ashamed of myself for the things that I've done. But, mm-hmm. you know, I just want to be able to help them out. I just can't do that right now. I can't even help myself out. I can't even go to the doctor, you know. This has been Kite Line. Anyone can reach us via our P.O. Box, Kite Line Radio, P.O. Box 2422, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402. You can hear previous episodes of our show at wfhb.org forward slash kite line. 
For more information on the stories we air on KiteLine, check out kitelineradio.noblogs.org. If you or someone you care about has been affected by the prison system, you can call us to be interviewed or to record a message to be played on the air at 812-269-2512. We also want your feedback and to share your story. Feel free to write us at kiteline at wfhb.org. You can follow KiteLine Radio on all social media platforms. If you want to support our work, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash KiteLine Radio Show. Any funds raised beyond operating costs will be sent to folks on the inside. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. KiteLine, WFHB, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions expressed on the show. Please join us every Friday for more stories, news, and insights about the impact of prison on our community. Thank you for listening.